Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on August 2nd of 2020, Lord's Day Service. text this morning is the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. Ezekiel 47, we'll read the first 12 verses. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned, There along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said unto me, The water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Eglim. They will be the places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be on the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, you have brought us here this morning, that we may proclaim your praise, that we may receive your good gifts, that we may hear your word, cause us to grow work in us as only you can and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O lord our rock and our redeemer it is through jesus christ's name we pray amen amen if you've ever read the book of ezekiel you're well aware it's not the easiest book to understand he speaks of pictures 
And whenever you're trying to describe a picture you've probably experienced before, it's not easy. You always think of what you've left out. Part of this book is explained in chapter 1, where Ezekiel says, I saw the heavens opened and visions of God. That's the beginning. If you understand that small phrase, you can get an idea of why the rest of the book is so complex. Incidentally, the New Testament equivalent to Ezekiel, at least the closest equivalent, would be the revelation given to John. And in fact, John uses a lot of the symbols and pictures of Ezekiel in Revelation. When he says, though, that he saw the heavens open, it doesn't mean that he saw some faraway place with wispy clouds and people and harps and all that type of stuff. No, that, that's not what he saw. To say that the heavens open means that the curtain of this world was pulled back. And he saw the heavens and the earth in their true reality. He saw what life really is. What would it look like if you could see angels, demons, and how you and the church and your family all play a part in this invisible realm? The book of Ezekiel is filled with those images. Ezekiel saw things that most of us would cringe to see. You read the first half of Ezekiel. It's, it's 48 chapters. You read the first 24 chapters. It is a discouraging bit of news. There are prophecies of judgment of what Israel's and what Judah's idolatry looked like before God. See, he was a prophet to God's people in Babylon. But he begins, though, in the very first chapter with seeing the glory of God. In chapter 1, he says that he saw the cherubim. These are astounding angelic beings, not fat, small children with wings. But angelic beings carrying God's throne. He says, I looked downward and from what had, he saw God, the glory of God. He said, I looked downward from what had the appearance of his waist. I saw as it were the appearance of fire and brightness about him. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud, the rainbow. Rainbows belong to God, incidentally. The world likes to copy that, but rainbows are God's. Amen. Just want to get that out there. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. That's the beginning of Ezekiel's prophecy. It's hard for us to have this perspective because we, we, all we can see is with our physical eyes. And, and also, we are catechized. We are taught by our surroundings in a worldview called naturalism. This naturalism says that everything that you can't observe with your senses is not real. It's only if you can see it, touch it, smell it, or taste it. That's what makes it real. But that's contrary to what God has said. So Ezekiel can seem like a riddle. 
But the second half of Ezekiel, once you get to chapter 25 and on, it is filled with wonderful prophecies. It talks about how God will restore his people. After all the perils and the judgment for sin, God will give his people a new king and a new temple. He will judge Judah's enemies and restore not just Israel. He's going to restore the world. And that vision of restoration is part of what we have read this morning. The picture in this passage is of water. It begins in the inner court of the temple as a shallow stream. And it flows from there. It gets deeper and deeper. God takes Ezekiel through. It's first up to his ankles, then it's up to his knees, then it's up to his waist, and then he can't even touch the bottom anymore. But notice, rivers all flow into the ocean or into the sea. But this one didn't just flow into any ocean or sea. Geographically, when you look and study what he's talking about, the sea that this river flows into is the Dead Sea. You've all heard of the Dead Sea before. It's a place where nothing lives. It is so salty. Nothing can survive in the Dead Sea. It's a place of death. But once this temple water flows into the Dead Sea, this Dead Sea is changed. It becomes a sea full of living things. It's healed. What was once a place of death is now a place of life. He talks about how it is now teeming with fish. There's fish everywhere, all over this sea that this, these waters have flowed into. It's clear. It's beautiful. And then there are places that you can sit and you can enjoy seeing not only the water, but the trees. And as he says in verse 9, everything will live wherever the river goes. So this is a place of life. Now there are places he talks about where the river might overflow for a time and then recede. Those are the, the swamps, the marshy places. And yes, those places do breed death. But the overall picture in this passage is not one of death. It's one of life. The banks, as I said, of this holy river have trees. Not just, you know, nice trees, trees that, that are good to look at, although they are. But these trees are part of the blessing. These trees provide nourishing fruits and healing leaves. The trees don't just bear fruit once, just in one particular season, because he says that they bear fruit every month. Specifically, they bear fruit every month because they are watered from the sanctuary of God. In verse 12. The leaves are medicine. So there's healing, there's nourishment in the fruit, there's medicine in the leaves. This is what Ezekiel saw 
I wish that I could do it justice for you so that you could actually see something like what this is. You will one day. Okay? You love the Lord, you will see this and greater one day. I can't present it as well as I would like, though, to you. But think of the most beautiful mountain stream that's flowing with green trees, with beautiful fruit, all of which is for the partaking. There's no restriction here. The tree of life is available in this. This is the picture of Ezekiel. God's people have always watered the world. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob wandered through the land that was their inheritance. It would be their inheritance. They wandered this land and they dug wells. After Israel left Egypt, God instructed them to build a tabernacle. And one of the important features of the tabernacle that's often ignored is out in the front of this tabernacle. When I say tabernacle, this was a tent that was supposed to, it represented the presence of God. But outside it, there was a bronze labor. The closest thing we have to it down here is something like a bird bath. But it wasn't a bird bath. It was for the priests to wash their hands. Because if you're, you would have to wash your hands. It was a symbolic picture but not only a symbolic picture, when you're operating on bloody sacrifices all the time, I mean, how many of you ever cleaned an animal you killed after hunting? Okay? You don't go right inside and eat a meal after that. So it's a, it's a place of cleansing. But this labor was small. You see, the tabernacle, would, they would take it with them wherever they traveled as they were wandering in the wilderness. The tabernacle, God's presence, went with them. And there was always this bronze labor that would be set up. But then, when the temple was built by Solomon, that would change. Because Solomon's temple had a much larger labor. And it's actually not even called a labor anymore. It's called the bronze sea. By our measurements, it would be seven and a half feet tall. And it would hold between 15 and 20,000 gallons of water. This, this, what was before much smaller, has now grown. The water that's being carried that represents the gift of God to his people is growing. It was wells with the patriarchs. It was a labor with Israel wandering the wilderness. And now when they are established in the land, it is vast. So vast, in fact, that it was able to actually, that there would be a fountain from it that, that would come down because the priest couldn't reach that high. So, this was a beautiful picture for them, but the labor, that bronze sea, was eventually destroyed. The water dried up. The Babylonians annihilated it. It took it apart. It was not there anymore. God exiled his people to Babylon because of their sin. Ezekiel and others prophesied to them of their sin and of salvation. 
But the water, again, for a time was gone. But then another man came. This other man was a prophet. As many prophets before him were, and he was, went about bearing good news. He told of God's coming kingdom. He was repeated the words of Isaiah, how the desert places will be healed, that God's spirit was upon him because he had been anointed to preach the gospel, to make it known. He spoke of the defeat of God's enemies and the restoration of God's people. He himself came through water, the water of baptism, to begin his ministry. In the book of John chapter 4, he meets a woman who herself was physically thirsty because she was at a well. Who She was also spiritually thirsty. She had five husbands. She was with a man who's not even her husband at the time. And Jesus told her, whoever drinks of this water that I give, from his or from her inner parts will spring forth a fountain of flowing water. Eternal streams of water that bubble up into everlasting life. But many rejected his message. He was crucified on a cross. And just before he died, one of the last things that happened to him, a centurion put a spear through his side. And from that wound flowed blood and water. Jesus is the temple, the new temple. And from that temple, the water of life now flowed again. It was a small stream. But it began something that would never be stopped. That stream grew. It encompassed his disciples. At Pentecost, you had 3,000 men saved, and they themselves came through the water. And this spread. The message of the gospel spread throughout the entire world. And still now, the water from God's temple gets deeper and deeper. Now we come to today. The temple is still the body of Christ. We live in the middle of a dry land. Death encompasses us. It encompasses our neighbors, our co-workers, and our friends. This world is still in need of healing. There are dry and desert places. It's not just the world. There are some of us who need healing. Brothers and sisters, don't ever think that because we have really good doctrine, Reformed people pride themselves on doctrine. Because we, we like our worship. Because we check off all these little boxes. Don't think I am not in need of God's mercy and healing. Because we need it too. 
we have to give this to each other. We never arrive, we never get to a place where we say, I am now the very elect. <laughs> Ask me whatever you have. From me will spring the fountain of water that you need. Don't do that. Calvinists are the only people that brag about their total depravity. <laughs> but we do at times, among many other things. Don't give in to that. We should be the people who see our need for the grace and the healing of God more than anyone else. Our mission is to water the world. Jesus promised that every believer would become a fountain of flowing water. When we come together as God's people, these fountains join together to form a river. And that river overcomes the death that would choke everything. Once a flood sent from God destroyed the world, this time the water of life is remaking the world. God has brought us together to be a source of life-giving water, to bring joy, strength, comfort, and life to our neighbors. This is why we are coming together as a church. No one can do this alone. You can't even do it by cloistering your family in a small house in the hills way off where you can say, we are everything we need. We are watered from God's holy temple. We together can bear fruit, giving nourishment to each other and bringing healing to those who are wounded and damaged by the world. When you open your home to share a meal, when you pray with someone, when you encourage someone with scripture, to our physical eyes, this may look very basic, maybe even look a little bit weird. I mean, who prays with people in public? Now, somebody might call you a fundamentalist. Amen. But in the spiritual realm, you are sharing the water of life. This should be normal, everyday activity for the people of God. Ezekiel's picture here is picked up, again, in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Revelation 21 and 22. John says this, Revelation 21, beginning in verse 22, But I saw no temple in it, in that land, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Skipping to chapter 22, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of light, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. 
which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every The temple of God dwells with men, and from God's throne the water of life flows. Brothers and sisters, we do not yet enjoy the fullness of the new heavens and new earth that John saw. But God has given us, here and now, the joy of participating in His restoration of His world. And as we bless one another, we are ministering the water of life, which is our whole hope. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for giving us life. Though we did not deserve it, your grace is magnified. May we receive this and may we minister it also to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.